0: This is episode one of Motherboard. This episode is sponsored by our Kickstarter campaign, so huge thanks to everyone who gave, and by Heroku. Heroku allows your organization to build apps faster, deploy instantly, and scale on demand without managing servers. Gain the flexibility to deploy any language, any time, and to any scale. Learn more and sign up to get started at heroku.com. I'm Katherine Rotundo, and with me today is Maureen Duffy. Maureen is based in Boston, Massachusetts, where she is a principal interaction designer with Red Hat and is a new mom with a nine-month-old baby. Hi, Maureen. Hey, how are you doing, Katherine? Good. How are you?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good. We got a big snowstorm here yesterday and uh, dealing with the aftermath, but it's a good day. Yeah, um,
0: my kid is super excited about all the snow. We're in Boston right now too, visiting family. And um, we haven't had any snow all winter in Germany, but here there are piles and piles of it. um, And he is just psyched about that. Awesome. I guess your kid isn't really old enough yet to enjoy being out in the snow.
1: No, but you know, she loves looking out the window and seeing the older kids play. So that's pretty cool.
0: Cool. Um, Well, I want to know a little bit more about you and what you do. Um, I've read in your bio um, that you've been involved in tons of open source projects in the past few years and that you're also a really unique designer in that you dislike
1: Apple and Adobe and you
0: use all open source software for your work.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I actually started... um using open source software when I was still in college. Um, and I started with the GIMP, which had a really steep learning curve at the time, <laughs> but um, I, you know, I started out using Photoshop. I migrated to Macromedia Fireworks and that was like my uh, my hammer for every meal. Um, and then eventually, um, I, I kinda was trying to get away from Fireworks because they got by Adobe and I didn't know what was gonna happen and I ended up I started trying to use Inkscape, but it couldn't embed bitmaps. So um, Hmm. once they gained that ability, which didn't come far after, I I pretty much said, okay, I'm done. I'm just using open source. This was like the final thing I needed. And that was around 2005. So I've been kind of Adobe free for that long.
0: Wow, for a decade.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And um, so was that on... uh... Your own projects or were you already in the workforce back then?
1: Uh, by then I was in the workforce um, so I was pretty much dabbling in the open source stuff in college and then kind of I dropped all of the proprietary uh, creative tools pretty much when I was at Red Hat okay just when I was starting out yeah because I've been at Red Hat for since January 2005 so
0: oh wow. Wow, that's kind of rare to hear, too. I feel like in our industry, so many people move around so often. It's kind of refreshing to hear about someone going somewhere and staying.
1: Yeah, well, it's just, it's such a great place to work. I wouldn't want to leave, you know what I mean? Like, it would take a lot.
0: So how did you you get involved with Red Hat?
1: Well, it's kind of a funny story, Um, and uh, this would not happen today. But um, it was a really small company when I, started, when I got started. And kind of my dream when I was in school was to make open source software better. And I mean, partially, well, I, I started using Linux when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother was a computer science major. I was a teenage girl, and I liked to talk on the phone a lot. Um, but he needed the phone line because we only had one phone line to, like... <sighs> you know, log into his university and get his homework compiled and whatever. So since that wasn't working because I had the phone, um, he brought Red Hat Linux home and had GCC so he could do his homework without, you know, getting in a fight with me. Um, So, I mean, I had used Linux for a while and I was trying to use it more. Like I was trying to get the GIMP to work for me, but I was running into problems and they were, you know, usability issues and UX, UX issues. So kind of my dream was, well, what if I could figure out a way to make this stuff work better so that people would use this rather than these proprietary tools? Cause I kind of had a big chip on my shoulder at the time because when I was in school, when I was a freshman and actually before I was a freshman, I had taken a class in Macromedia director Mm -hmm. and I had done all this cool stuff in director. And like by the time I was a senior in college, all this cool stuff that I did, like they had sunset director as a product. I couldn't even like open all this work that I had done, and I was like really mad, and I thought, well, you know, these open source tools, they have open formats, and even if the tool disappears, the code is still out there, so I could use my stuff, you know, like, I had all these ideas then. Um,
0: yeah. So I actually
1: ended up staying in school for a master's in HCI, and as part of that program, um, I, I ha- had a fellowship, which gave you funding to work on a research project of your sort of your choice over the summer. So I decided. Well, I want to work on open source stuff. I want to make open source more usable. I want to, you know, work with the developers. And I thought probably the easiest way to do that would be to do it with a company. Red Hat seemed like a good fit because, uh, you know, I, I knew about them. I had a friend that worked there. They were in the Northeast, so they were you know, accessible to me. So I kind of just drove out to Red Hat and I, granted, I had a friend who worked there, but I basically kind of just showed up and said, Hey, I have research funding. I'll work for you for the summer. Fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, it didn't cost them anything and they kind of put me through the, you know, sign people on as an intern process, but it kind of, you know, and I, I had like a little bit of a question, like, you know, like, well, can you do this? You know, they kind of vetted me a little bit, but it, it was like a big leap for me to kind of drive out to Boston. I was in New York at the time and just sort of show up and say, Hey, but you know, one of my friends in school was just like, uh, you know, just what's the worst that can happen. They tell you go home. I mean, at least you, you, you tried, and it worked <laughs> out and it was such a great internship that, um, I went back to school I graduated with my master's and then I came back and I applied and got a full time.
0: Fantastic. And were you, uh, what did you start out doing? Have you been doing uh, the same sort of work the whole time that you've been there or
1: has it changed at all? So, well, I've been an interaction designer the whole time. When I did my internship, I was doing interaction design for the desktop. And when I came back um, full time, I was working with the Red Hat network team and uh, an amazing team to work with, by the way. They were great. Um, And, you know, there were some reorganizations and, like, products changing stuff over time. So, I mean, my role's always been the same, but I ended up, um, after some reorgs and projects changing, um, I ended up on the Fedora engineering team, and that was probably in 2008 or 2009. So, I've been on that team since then. But, you know, like, the stuff that I work on kind of changes a lot, too. Like, Like lately I've been working on the installer redesign. And I mean that, you know, I'm on the Fedora engineering team, but like that affects Red Hat Enterprise Linux, for example, because Fedora is the upstream for Red Hat Enterprise Linux. So I work with the Red Hat Enterprise Linux people, I work with the Fedora people, I work with the installer team. And, you know, depending on like what what is required, you know, I can kind of do different things, which is is actually like really good for career growth in my opinion, because, like, right now, one of those things that I kind of always had in the back of my mind is, like, I wish I could code more. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I like doing UX design. I really enjoy it, but it'd be cool to be able to code once in a while. So I'm actually, the team is, like, very supportive of that in, in the installer team. So I've been doing some C coding for the installer and, um, like, upgrading it so that it, the, it uses GTK as the toolkit. Mm-hmm. And GTK recently added this ability to support CSS, so, like, I've been working on restyling the installer to support CSS, which is maybe a little bit too much detail, but it's, it's really cool. Like, I can kind of, I went from, you know, doing the mock-ups and the workflows. We've done usability tests on the new design. I'm interfacing with customers who are beta testing it, and I'm also, like, putting code that's actually in the product. So, like, it's kind of the whole gamut. It's, it's really exciting to be able to use so many different skills.
0: Yeah, it sounds, it sounds great that may be part of why you're able to stay there um, at one company for so long, because you're always doing different things and you're still always
1: growing. Right. Exactly. I mean, you can't be bored here. You know what I mean? (laughs) And people are just so open, you know, like if, if, if uh, I come to a team and I'm like, Oh, I want to learn how to do this thing. I mean, people are so patient and they teach you how to do it. And then you, you have that skill and you have that skill for life, basically. That's really awesome.
0: So um, when did you know that you wanted to have a kid?
1: Um, I think I always knew growing up that I would eventually want kids. Um, And I think that the timing was such, I mean, I was traveling a lot before I got pregnant. I mean, at least six conferences a year, usually a few of them international. Um, And that was something that, you know, these are opportunities that I had. It wasn't like really required of the job, but it was a lot of fun to do. Um, but you, you know, you have your clock ticking and mm-hmm. I started worrying about that. So, I mean, me and my husband just kind of talked about it and we're like, we definitely want kids. So now seems like a good time. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty much how it worked out. But you know, it was weird too, because I know that, um, you know, it's, it's hard because, and this was an issue when I got married too, right? It's like, I have built this name for myself. I've been in the industry for 10 years and now i'm changing my last name and like all the things that that affects you know like all this body of work that i've done like papers i've written patents i've filed all that stuff now i have to change my name and lose that you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then with having a a kid too i mean it's 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 weird because it, it, jumping out of the workforce seems like it's a very different option than if you were just you know younger and you were just kind of a junior person where you worked in the first place. Like it's less of a, a jump. You're jumping from a little bit lower. So that was, that was kind of tough. I, I kind of never considered that as an option to be honest.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like, um, that's something that we're not even, it it's not mentioned for, for younger women to consider. Um, yeah, I, I certainly also, I didn't change my name. Um, And, but part of it was that reputation that I'd built for myself in, um, yeah, in my industry. I I didn't know how that would be affected by changing it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I haven't, like, I sort of have, like, Duffy is my maiden name. Mm -hmm. So that's what I go by on the internet. But then, like, for stuff like, you know, my house or, you know, where I live, like, people I know that are neighbors, they know me by my married name. Oh, interesting. So, but it's, it's, it's difficult too, because you have things like, health insurance cards and like the paychecks and then how does that stuff and most employment systems don't handle that like you know adp doesn't really handle you having two names and so that stuff gets a little tricky i think
0: yeah well so you were already at red hat when you um when you got pregnant so and you'd been there for a long time so i'm guessing you hadn't uh considered the company's parental benefits back when you started
1: no, definitely not. Yeah.
0: Um, and um, and at Red Hat, when you were pregnant, did, did, had you already known other parents or were you the first person on your team to become a parent?
1: Well, I definitely – I knew other parents and it was really – actually really awesome because um, a lot of them were looking – like their kids were old enough that they were looking to get rid of the baby stuff. Oh, so nice. we pretty much had to buy nothing. I mean, we got our stroller, we got um, the bassinet, like the co-sleeper bassinet thing, we got Mm -hmm. all sorts of toys and clothes and everything from coworkers. So it was really good because then, you know, and everybody wants to give you advice when, you know, you're pregnant or when you're a new parent, but it was kind of good to know, oh, there's, there's all these folks around that kind of have just been through this so they can recommend stuff. And so that that was actually really awesome. And I, I wasn't even really anticipating that people would be so willing. I mean, they would just basically see me like in the kitchen of the office, like, "Oh, there's my belly. Oh, I got this great stuff for you. Here, I'll bring it in tomorrow." you know It was oh, that's so great. So
0: nice. Yeah, so generous. And it also meant that you saw that people had been through it and been through the the baby stuff and come out the other side and were still you know, productive workers and...
1: Exactly, yeah. And I mean, it was funny too because the, the stuff had been passed on before. Do you know what I mean? Like there were some mm-hmm. of the toys that were like, this toy has been around this team so many times. Like six kids of um, of the people on this team have had <laughs> this toy. It was kind of like a neat little tradition, like passing on the baton. Um, yeah, and I mean, so... And I think that it was a it's a good environment too, because then you know people with kids slightly older having been there so recently, you know the, those days when like I've had a few days recently with this winter here, you know, where yeah. um, my parents watch um, my baby some days, um but they they have a bit of a long drive when they come out to do that. So because of the snow, there's been days when they haven't been able to come out. so I've kind of had the last minute. You know, oh, I can't be in the office this day. I'm going to have to be in the office this day. And like kind of my schedule has been a little bit nuts some weeks because of the snow. And people have been so understanding, you know, because they've been there. Oh, so. that's really
0: good. Yeah, I think there would be nothing more stressful than than feeling stuck in that situation. So you had been able then to see other parents go through, um, you know, announcing that they were expecting and then taking some leave and coming back to work afterward. Yep. So you had, um, you had an idea then of, of what the policies were by that point.
1: Well, vaguely, like I knew that, you know, I could get time and I'd be able to come back and, you know, I'd be able to handle it because so many of my other coworkers would handle it, but I didn't know all the details and I guess the devil's in the details. And I know that this is, I mean, this is the United States, right? Like, I don't think that any one company is, like, responsible for this. But, like, I wasn't anticipating that maternity leave would be short-term disability, Mm -hmm. right? Because you don't think about, you know, pregnancy as a disability, at least (laughs) I think. You know, so, but, and the way that our system worked when I was pregnant has actually changed in part due to um, communicating with HR about it. Um, like for example, we had a a unique situation where both me and my husband work for Red Hat. Um, and I was going to, what I was planning to do is take the short-term disability and then pad it out by a few weeks with FMLA. Mm -hmm. Um, and you get max 12 weeks FMLA. And the issue is that the way the federal law is written, a company only has to issue FMLA per family, not per employee. So. I was a little concerned about this because, you know, for example, like what if something happened to one of our family members or something, and like my husband needed to take FM away, he wouldn't be able to do it within that year period because I would have used it up with my maternity leave, um, right. and that kind of seemed really unfair to me. So yeah. I. But, you know, it's not I I don't know that it's so common a scenario that two married people work for the same company and have a baby. Like we know a lot of married couples at Red Hat with kids, but they had had the kids when one of them worked somewhere else or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know that anybody else had ever actually fallen into this situation. So I actually um, called up the HR department and, um, you know, we have a we have like a hotline that you can call or whatever. Um, And I said, hey, guys, so how do you handle this? And they had never actually kind of thought about the I- issue before. And they said, well, we'll default to what the law requires, but let's talk about this. And they got back to me actually like two weeks later. And they said, we decided to issue FML leave per employee instead of per family. So you both oh, wow. get help if you want it. So, oh, that's great. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, they're really – the the company is really open to feedback like that. You know what I mean? So it, it was good because, I mean, the thing is when when – you're pregnant and when you're looking at this stuff, it can be really scary because you don't know. You know what I mean? Like you don't know how they're gonna handle it. Like you don't know when you announce it really what's gonna happen. Because, you know, I was on some mommy boards like babycenter.com, which I'm a little ashamed to admit because it's it it can be a bad place. <laughs> a lot of misinformation spreads there. But I mean there are some women there that they had really bad situations. Like they they announced their pregnancy and they did end up losing their jobs, but because of certain circumstances, it was okay, and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really have any reason to think that would happen, but you always have it in the back of your mind, like, oh, my God, this is scary. Yeah. You know, this is totally new territory. But, um, you know, I spoke up, and it paid off. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah.
0: Well, so how did you handle announcing your pregnancy?
1: Well, so I, um, I actually, I waited a while. I waited until, like, 20 weeks. Oh wow! Um, because I just wanted to make sure everything was going to be okay. Um, There wasn't going to be any issues. Um, The the guidance that my midwife had given me is basically, you know, don't tell people unless you'd also be comfortable telling them if something went wrong. Mm -hmm. So wait until sort of, and and that's, she recommended that time because that's when you have a bunch of tests and whatever. And when they're fairly confident that things are going good. But I did tell my manager a little bit earlier, I told him, Maybe around week twelve or week thirteen, mm-hmm. um, just because I, I was pretty nauseous and I didn't want people to think something else was wrong. But um, you know, I I I've switched managers since then. But my manager at the time was his wife was my best friend. She still is my best friend. So I mean, it, I had a really good relationship with him too. I, I I don't think I could have waited
0: until twenty weeks because I think I started showing before then. Yeah, um, but if you can mask it, um, yeah, then why not? Well, like,
1: so, I mean, I, I kind of, I, I didn't fit, I was wearing maternity pants, but I still fit my normal clothing otherwise. Like mm-hmm. I still fit my shirts and everything. And it just, I mean, we have snacks in the kitchen and I figured, yeah, maybe people think I'm gaining <laughs> a little bit of weight, you know, but,
0: um, well, so, and you did have some morning sickness. You said some nausea. Yeah.
1: So how did that, how did you manage that? Um, lemon, lemon tea, and ginger, and lemon tea and ginger together. Um, <laughs> that that was my strategy, and it it actually worked pretty well. I mean, I I wasn't like throwing up that much mm-hmm. at all, really. Um, it was more just constant nausea all day long, not morning sickness all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, it's like I have a friend right now who's pregnant, and it's, she has the throw up kind um yeah I, I, there's pros and cons to both right because like when you throw up at least you have some relief right whereas if you're nauseous all day you, you don't ever get the relief but um I mean it, it it's just the lemon tea pretty much was I was chugging that all day and <laughs> just too. just smelling it and kind of getting the vapors under my nose really helped
0: yeah yeah, your sense of smell goes haywire with pregnancy, right? Like you could, you smell everything. You smell things yeah, you Yeah, it was even weird
1: cuz like the smell of coffee, there was like a couple week period where I couldn't take the smell of coffee and that's bad. Yeah, cuz it's everywhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um so at a certain point, your nausea got better?
1: Yeah, I would say around maybe, I don't know, maybe 18 weeks.
0: Okay, so by the time yeah. you were telling people actually, you yeah, were Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then how did the rest of the pregnancy go? Um,
1: it went it went pretty well. Um, and I, you know, there's like a weird trade off too. So I had a pregnancy during a winter, so mm-hmm. I was always constantly afraid of falling in the ice, and yeah. but I didn't, so it was good. But then, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want the reverse either, like being pregnant during the summer. That's that's got to be brutal because it's so hot. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it it went all right, and I did the. Um, I arranged my leave. So that um, it didn't start until I was actually in the hospital. Okay. Um, that I, I don't know how that works at most places. I had to basically file all the paperwork as if everything was happening on my due date. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just would basically, I was two weeks late. So I had to keep calling and just letting them know, keeping them updated. But actually, that um, it's interesting because I was due two days before the Boston Marathon bombing. Wow. Um, yeah. And I live in Cambridge, which is right across the river. And, um, right. So you were worried
0: about being able to cross any bridge
1: to get across town. Well, uh, my hospital was on the the same side. So that was okay. But the, actually, since I was so late, um, it was the, the marathon bombing was on a Monday and it was on a Friday where we got put on lockdown Mm. because it was the Thursday night, the The poor MIT guy, he got shot. Like We live near there. So we heard stuff going on in the middle of the night. It was rather terrifying. And then I got woken up that morning around 6 by my midwife who basically said, don't leave your house. And if you end up going into labor, call 911 and get a police escort. Don't try to drive on your own. Because you're not supposed to drive, so it was like terrifying. Oh, so I was really actually happy that she was late because she basically didn't come until they caught the guys.
0: Wow, <laughs> wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That bombing, um, that bombing was right outside of the office that I used to work at in Boston. Oh,
1: oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, I mean, everyone from my old office was safe, but uh, yeah, it's really, um, it's really hard to think of Boston the same way after it- that. Um, and
1: I can't believe you had that right at the end of your pregnancy. Yeah, so I know. It was really – and it was fun because I, um, I went to Isis classes after she was born. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, all the other moms had babies that were, like the same age. So they all had like different, you know, marathon bombing being pregnant stories. It's one of those <laughs> things that you, you don't really normally think about. But then, oh, I wonder how they handle that. Well, that was how they handled mine. <laughs>
0: right. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, so she was born – and, um, how, and, and you stayed home with her. You said you had already arranged your leave. Uh, so how long did you stay home?
1: So I stayed home for 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, um, what happened is my parents had said that they would help out if we wanted until she was uh, one years old. So the way that we arranged things is my parents watch her for two days a week. And then I go into the office those two days. Okay. And then um I'm I'm actually part time. And actually that's an interesting story too. Yeah. Because tell us. <laughs> um I didn't even know part time was an option. I, I didn't even think about it. Because um, no one else did it? I yeah, I mean I knew of a couple people who had done it, but I didn't really know, you know, much about it. I knew they were in different offices and I didn't know them that well. So I just I mean I assumed it was because they had kids, but I just didn't know all the details. Mm-hmm. Um and what ended up happening is uh Uh, at red hat in the boston area office we built a new wing to the building and um there was all this construction going on and in the middle of my maternity leave i actually came in um with the baby which people love because they love seeing cute little baby um i i was just helping them because people had to move the stuff out of my cube in the old building to the new building because they're refurbishing the old building Uh and um so i had to tell them like how to pack stuff up and what's things that I wanted to take home and whatever. So I was in the office like during my leave and I ran into, um, uh, another woman who I work with in engineering and, you know, she was asking me how things are going, whatever. And she was saying, you know, you should just, you should take more time or you, you should go part time. When when I had, you know, w- when I had my daughter, um, you know, when we first brought her home, I went part-time and it was so great. And I was like, I could go part-time really? <laughs> She's like, yeah, you should do it. So I, I, I ended up calling up HR and I'm like, is this an option for me? And they're like, of course. Oh, okay. Just get your manager's approval. I talked to my manager, no problem. And I, I still am part-time now. So it's been such a lifesaver because the way that I worked it out is I worked 30 hours a week. And that's, that's enough to get benefits and everything, although most of my benefits are under my husband now. Mm-hmm. But um, that's enough to get the benefits. So you know my 401K and all that stuff doesn't go away. And I'm working basically um, two 10-hour days. Those are the two days that my parents are watching her. And then um, depending on the week, I will work like a half day on certain days. And my husband and I have one day a week where we're – trading shifts, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we started off doing, uh, four hour shifts and that ended up being, um, too long a period of time because then, you know, we'd be working from home and he would kind of interrupt me to nurse her and stuff like that. So we ended up making him two hour shifts. So it would be two hours on two hours off just one day a week. And it, it's kind of like a a weird thing. Um, I know that doesn't work for most people, but we both have technical jobs where we can work from home and it's worked for us so far. And then once she's one year old, we're going to put her in daycare um, for three days a week and then kind of ramp it up. Mm-hmm. So she gets kind of used to it okay. over time. And then at some point during the summer, I'm planning on going back full time. So I, maybe that whole scheme makes sense. It's like a little bit of a weird, like we're doing a little bit of everything. But I was just <laughs> so nervous to put her in daycare when she was only three months. I just didn't want to do it. So yeah,
0: I did it. And um, to this day, for me, it remains one of the things I wish I'd done differently. So oh, really? I applaud you on realizing that, that it wasn't the right choice for you um, that early,
1: I mean, you you gotta do what you do. You gotta do. You know what I mean? But my parents had made this offer, so I thought like, oh, you know, let me yeah, see what I can do there. Yeah, that's really great.
0: Well, I want to keep asking you about um, the care that your daughter gets, but I should sure. pause for just a moment to say that our sponsor Heroku is always looking for great talent. So if uh, if you're interested, you should check out their job listings at jobs heroku.com okay so you were able to take um 12 weeks of leave
1: and then return to work part-time um what did your husband do so um in in the united states like in our office right now um the he took two weeks of pto because that was what was available at the time but um because of a lot of feedback that maybe this isn't the best from a lot of the uh the fathers at um at Red Hat, you know, in the United States, they uh, expanded the policy so that starting this past January, if if you're a U.S. based Red Hat associate, you get uh, four weeks paid uh, parental leave, and if you're if you're a father, then that's four weeks, and then if you're a mother, it's four weeks fully paid, and then it works in conjunction with your short term disability, so it, it improves it for both parents, which is great.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I feel like. Um giving fathers more leave, um, helps it helps both for them personally at home, getting to know the baby. And also it helps to reduce the difference that there is in the workplace between h- how long men are out and how long women are out when they have a baby. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, so in returning to work, I know you, you've changed how, how much you work. So you're now at 30 hours. Did you make any changes in the type of work that you do?
1: You know, I really didn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's kind of funny because a lot of the people that I work with, um, are remote from where I am. And a lot of the people that I work with aren't necessarily red hat employees, they're community members. And, um, it took a while. Like a lot of them didn't even realize I was working less hours. So, (laughs) I mean, it's kind of, it's cool because, you know, You can steal moments here and there, like, oh, the baby's taking a nap, you know, or the baby's gone to bed for the night. Let let me just, you know, check my email or whatever. I mean, it's – people are working around the clock because you're working with people in all different countries around the world. So, you know, it's not even all that obvious that I took less hours. I mean, the only thing is that, um, you know, certain times, like, uh, if somebody needs to meet with me specifically, there's only certain days of the week they can do that. But the way that I set my schedule up is – it's, I'm in the office on Wednesdays and Thursdays, kind of in the middle of the week. And then um, I, do, I usually do a half day on Tuesdays. And if I need to come in the office on Tuesdays, I can make arrangements. We have um, a daycare that we can do drop-in. So if I really need to do it, they, they have drop-in slots on Tuesdays. So you know, because I focused on the center of the week, I think that I've run into a lot less conflict there. I think that if I was doing Mondays and Fridays or something, I'd have a lot more trouble. Because Mondays and Fridays are the days, you know, people take three-day weekends every now and then. It's just there's not as many people around those days. So when you focus on the middle of the week, it kind of makes it a lot easier.
0: Yeah, that's true. In the U.S., there are a ton of Monday holidays, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that affects the daycare as well, like next week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the President's Day um, daycare is closed, so.
0: Right. Well, um, do you feel that um, taking the leave that you've taken or switching to part-time has had any unintended effects on your career for better or for worse?
1: I don't, I mean, it's weird when I, when I first started working 30 hours, I was very self-conscious about it. I got one of those apps on my phone that has you like track your time Mm -hmm. and I was like trying to track like, what am I spending time on and make sure I was, you know, working the right number of hours and whatever. Um, But you know, now I'm a lot less self conscious because I know like I'm getting stuff done. And, you know, it only was maybe I'm trying to think of when exactly it was. I, I went back to work on um, I think the end of July and I think I got I got a promotion in October. Oh, so wow. I mean, obviously something was going <laughs> right, you know? So um yeah. yeah so I, I don't really feel like it's hurt me at all. Like I you know, career wise I mean, I think career-wise, it's been a really good thing to be part-time rather than not at all because a lot of the technology, it kind of changes. You know so what I mean? fast. In a, it yeah, so it's fast. like if you take a big break, it's like, oh, now I have to learn this new framework
0: or whatever. Yeah. In, um, in your workplace, you've already described that you have a community of other parents. I'm curious um, if there are like formalized ways there that parents can ask each other questions or if you refer to like forums on the internet you mentioned one earlier where do you go when
1: you do you have questions about parenting and you're not quite sure and well we have um at, at my company at red hat we have something called the women's leadership community and they're pretty it's a pretty handy resource just for anything involving just being a woman in the technical workforce I mean, some of the women in that group had given me advice about, you know, you should take as much leave as as you're given, like, don't short shrift yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, that your job's going to be here when you come back, don't worry about it. You know, you you need to focus on your baby when they're little like this. And, um, you know, they had given me advice on um, kind of working part time and how to handle that and, you know kind of work-life balance kind of stuff, you know. Um, But, you know, they they kind of address a a much broader range than just parenthood. Um, But for parenting advice, actually, I – this is a sad story, but I had actually been using ISIS in Boston as a huge resource. Hmm. Um, I was taking um, my baby to the classes there. They have, like, infant classes. And um, they actually recently went out of business. Oh, no. It was kind of it was kind of interesting because I was in the middle of a class when they kind of just announced, "Oh, we're done. Oh. <laughs> so I didn't actually get a refund or anything, but oh, a bunch goodness. of us in the class kind of got together, and our instructor um, worked at another facility in the Boston area, so she opened up a class there for us to kind of migrate to. so um, oh, so I nice. still have now there's this this center called um, my Mama and me in Boston that I go to. But I I really like having that um local community of people that I can kind of go to and talk baby stuff with. I, I don't know I don't know if there was something at work like that that I would do it just because like when I'm talking with my mommy friends, they're my mommy friends. Yeah. And like work stuff doesn't come into the picture. And when I'm talking with my work friends you know, I mean, a kid. You know, like you're in the kitchen and you're talking over coffee or whatever. Like that's one thing. But like when I'm working on a project or whatever, like they're not thinking of me as a mommy. You know, right. they're thinking of me <laughs> as the professional that I am. I, right. I kind of like keeping those two worlds separate. I mean, you know, every now and then, like I'll, I just need advice, and I know, you know, I know that this person that I work with went through this, so I'll ask them how did they resolve it. But in in most cases, I like leaving my mommy stuff to the mommy community that I built up. Yeah.
0: That makes total sense. Some yeah. separation of church and state. Yeah, exactly. Um, what secret weapons do you have for keeping things sane?
1: Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I have some weird ones. Um, yeah? so one is I have a washer dryer that Ooh. is a washer and a dryer in one unit like I can put the wash in it it's LG makes them I don't know if other companies make them but we we got this while I was pregnant and it's been amazing like and I started out cloth diapers but that got old pretty quick but I still have like a ton of laundry from having a baby and it's so great because I just put the clothes in and when I take them out they're done like they're dry like I don't need the transfer machines I can just put stuff in before I go to bed wake up in the morning and stuff's clean it's just great. I don't know. It saves time. I mean, maybe it seems silly, but I haven't even heard of this before. Yeah. Wow. It's weird. I, I went on, um, a family vacation with, um, my parents to Ireland and we rented a house there and that house had one. I was like, Oh wow, this is neat. <laughs> so when we, uh, when we got our house, you know, it didn't really, it didn't have a, a decent washer dryer. So, um, you know, we were looking specifically for this thing and we found it. We had this special order and everything, but it's so great. It's just so great. Oh, um, awesome. Any other weird tips? I mean, one thing that is kind of a handy trick that I learned at ISIS, and this is not like a this is a tiny thing. It's not like a big, you know, help. But um, when pumping, mm-hmm. there's a few things. So um, you don't need to wash your parts every time. It's just milk on them. So you can just stick them in the fridge. If, you know, I, I have um, I have a fridge available where I pump, so it's and it's just for pumping stuff. So I just kind of um, take all the parts. I don't you know wash them or anything. I just I stick them in a big ziploc, stick them in the fridge. Then when I'm ready for the next pumping session, I just pull them out. Because I mean, if the milk is okay in the fridge, no, that should right. be okay. Too. I can't believe yeah. I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. it saves a ton of time. That's the the ISIS people had given me that trick. And the other thing is um, those. Things that let you pump directly into the bags, no, not even worth it. Like, <laughs> I have wasted so much milk with that. Um, what what I like to do now, and this is another, one of the people at ISIS that told me this, the, the shields that go with the pump, they're, they're also funnels. So you can just use those as funnels to transfer the milk. And it's, oh, wow. you don't spill anything. So
0: smart. It sounds yeah. so obvious after you say it. And yet... <laughs>
1: And this gave me so much time because when I first started pumping, I was like, I had like this bag and I put everything in a bag and then I went to the bathroom and I was like washing and, you know, office bathrooms have those, um, automated sinks where you have to like wave. your. So I'm like in the (laughs) sink, like waving my elbow to try to keep the water going. It was just ridiculous. And then, um, you know, they have like these, um, pump, um, pumping moms drop in advice groups or whatever. So that's, that's where I got that tip.
0: So smart. Yeah. All right. Well, if you could travel back in time and give your younger self some advice uh, before you were pregnant, is there anything that you would want to tell her?
1: Yeah. Don't gain so much weight. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to take off. (laughs) I I gained a little bit more than I should have, but, I mean, I'm, I'm okay now. I'm not in my old clothes, but I'm not, like, I'm not bad. I'm, like, maybe maybe seven pounds away from where I was right now, which nine months later, well, whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah, but it's a weird balance, right? Because you want to be gaining enough right? and like, you want to be eating enough, but it's kind of really hard to know. And then once, once you have the baby, that's the other thing that I would tell myself is once you have the baby, it's not like, oh, okay, now the baby's out. So You don't have to be so careful anymore. You still have to be careful, especially if you're nursing. You still have to watch what you're eating. You still need to be taking your prenatals. Um, And you have to be careful with yourself. Like, you can't – I pushed myself a little too hard, I think. When I got the doctor's okay to do exercise, I, like – I did too much exercise, and it caught up with me. And You just – you can't – you can't do that. Like, normal people aren't Gwyneth Paltrow.
0: Yeah. And
1: I think that that – all those – postnatal workouts and all that stuff that they're wrong. They're just wrong. Mm. They they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. That stuff is not okay. I mean, if you were, if you were really active, like before and during your pregnancy, I think that that's one thing. But you know, if, if you were just sort of go on walks every now and then like me um, and you're not really a gym person, you don't become one after you. yeah <laughs> it's just magic your body is you. still healing I mean your internal organs are shifted around you can't just you can't just do that so yeah
0: I mean I think um one of the the main reasons I want to talk with moms about this is you don't know what life is going to be like after a baby until you have your baby <laughs> you know right. you don't know what your body' is going to be like you don't know what your energy level is going to be like and that can make it hard to plan um, right. So yeah, it's, but it sounds like you have done a tremendous job getting back to your career and being involved um, right
1: from three months. And yeah,
0: thanks so much for being willing to to talk about it today.
1: Sure, and I, I hope some of this was helpful to someone else. I mean, it, it's doable. People do it every day. It's <laughs> it's not. It, it seems terrifying, but you work out a solution and. I, I think even being in the technology field, I mean, I think a lot of tech companies are willing to work with people, you know, like, I I don't know so much about other fields. Again, like, I I read too many horror stories on Baby Center, I think, but, um, you know, I think you can work from home, you know, you need a laptop, and that's, you can, a lot of tech companies will let you do that. And so take advantage of it, you know? Yeah. And I, I also think
0: that there are a lot of good people in tech who want to do the right thing. And as soon as they know what the right thing is to implement at their company, even if they haven't had to do it before, they, right, exactly. they want to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, so if people want to follow you or learn more about your work, they can go to your blog at blog.linuxgirl.com with uh, girl is G-R-R-L. And they can also find you as Maureen on Twitter, which is spelled M-A-I-R-I-N. Yep, that's right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Um, That wraps up this week on the motherboard. Thanks to Heroku and all of our Kickstarter supporters for making this project a reality. I'm incredibly grateful for your belief in this project and your ongoing support. If anyone missed the chance to contribute to the campaign, you can head over to motherboardpodcast.com slash support the podcast, excluding theme music and sponsor reads is released under a creative commons license for more details, visit motherboardpodcast.com slash about last, but not least all views expressed on the podcast are individual opinions and not representative of any company. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a few weeks with Jean Sue of Medium. In the meantime, best wishes for your work-life balance and easy parenting.